You're listening to the Rocky Mountain UFO Podcast with Doc Pearson. Today's episode is Throwback Thursday. We're going to go back in time about 10 years when I was interviewed on the Coast to Coast radio show with George Norrie and Bill Burns from the History Channel. I think you're going to have a lot of fun with this one. I'm going to play a couple of segments that led up to my interview from Bill Burns' book, Work for the Light. We're talking ghosts, angels, heaven and hell on this episode of the Rocky Mountain UFO Podcast with special guests George Norrie and Bill Burns. Well, up next, Bill Burns and I will join your callers and your calls, and we'll also talk to a couple more contributors to Journey to the Light. All that and more next on Coast to Coast AM. Bill Burns, with uh, the various aspects of of our work, Journey to the Light, ghosts and spirits, angels, intuition, prophetic dreams, visions and voices, UFOs, was there a specific area that you liked the most? Well, I was really touched by um, angels because it tells you that the world is good. I mean, just think about it. Imagine a whole realm of, of spirit presences. And, and they're angelic presences, and they're helping you. They're watching over you. They're keeping you from danger. And all you have to do is be aware of the messages you're getting. I think that, and then prophetic dreams really moved me because uh, we spent so much time in, in, in our first book, Worker in the Light, talking about the dream state and lucid dreaming. And if you communicate with the universe through saying your mantra and meditating and, 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 and trying to empty your mind, your dreams actually take you to the future. I mean, it, it, even today, the concept that you can see the future it's there in front of you means so much just in the world of what that says about physics. Okay, we'll go to the calls. We'll go to Salt Lake City, first of all. Jerry, west of the Rockies. Go ahead, Jerry. How are you? Hi, George. Hi. Uh, it's good to be with you this evening. I, I just wanted to say uh, I love your show very much. Uh, one night, uh, my wife and I were on the freeway listening to the show about angels, ah. and uh, we were rear-ended <laughs> at uh, a car by 130 miles an hour. Oh, my God. He totaled our car. But I'm telling you, I told my wife, I said, I want you to, to think about the accident. I want you to think about the state of mind that we were in prior to that accident. And uh, we were talking about angels, George. And uh, I just want to, uh, to, to thank you for Jeez, that. What a story. Angel, um, angels bailed you two out that night, huh, Jerry? Yeah, yeah. Right. I, you know, one, I, we also talked about, uh, we, you're talking about spirits, and I wanted to uh, tell you a, just an incredible experience I had when I was uh, serving a two-year mission out in Kentucky. Sure. Um, we uh, had the opportunity to visit an old homestead. And as you know, all throughout Kentucky, there are these uh, slave walls that were built from slate rock. Yeah. Um, the um, as we entered the backside, the the, it, uh, the the ground dropped about ten. We lost him. Ah, made there out of. Uh, we 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 entered into the uh, into the the room, and he and uh, the owner of the place said, "Now I I want you to to really respect and revere this place as we walk into it." And uh, the first thing I noticed is the floor. It was a dirt floor, and it was. It to it like it had been swept. Uh, we stepped into it, and the door was shut behind us, 
and he he lit a candle and it illuminated the room and all along this slate rock uh, uh, foundation were neck shackles and, and leg shackles. Oh my! And uh, uh, we knew that this was the place where slaves were, were kept. And um, it was very quiet in that room, and uh, it got very emotional. And uh, I'll never forget just this feeling of love, like we, the three of us, were just surrounded with, with in this this place that you would never ever imagine um, to receive so much love. Um, uh, it was just an incredible experience, an experience that I will never forget. That's that's mine through the rest of my life. But uh, thanks for sharing. I, I, with us, pardon? Thank you for sharing that with us. Oh, you're you're welcome, and thank you, George. Thank you. That's a great story. Let's go to Lake Tahoe now, where Donna Hartley was one of the contributors. Hey, Donna, how are you? I am wonderful. Thank you. Great. Great. Hi, Donna. Thanks for coming on. Hi, Bill. What happened, Donna? Well, it started at 5.58 a.m. in the morning on March 1st that I woke up with a blood-curdling scream yelling, no, 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 and I bolted up in bed, and I'm water is dripping off me, and it was the same reoccurring dream I'd had for over a year with fires, smoke, and faces. And at 9.22 that same morning, I boarded a flight at Los Angeles International Airport bound for Honolulu, Continental Flight 603, and at 167 miles per hour, the DC-10 exploded, and I was living the exact dream I had dreamt. So what I had said, you know, the the twist is I did not want to live. I was a struggling actress in Hollywood. Things weren't good for years. I was bulimic. I had no money. So what I had said was let my life change when I woke up that morning. Let it never be the same or let me die. So I was at the point that I didn't know if I was going to live or if I was going to die. But then I felt this, this energy around me. And it's very simple. The questions were non-judgmental. And this is what I heard. You know, what have you done with your life? Have you spent time creating or complaining? So I fought as hard as I could to get to the rear of the aircraft because we were tilted high. And then the next four questions are the ones that stopped me because they were, do you love yourself? Do you have a good relationship with your family and friends? Are you living your goals and dreams? And if you die today, have you left this planet a better place for being here? And I answered no to every one of those questions. That's truly remarkable. And, and you, th- this has changed your life as well, Donna, because you pass this message on to people now. That's exactly what I do. Everything about my life absolutely changed, absolutely. And that's what I do. I am a motivational speaker. I work with people all over the world because I don't think we really look at life for the value that we have there and the learning lessons and the ups and downs. Because not only did I have a plane crash on March 1st, I had melanomas um, on March 1st, 2002, and I had open surgery, open heart surgery for a valve replacement on March 1st, 2006. So I'm still learning my lesson. Well, and you're learning it well, and you've passed it on to other people. Donna, thank you. 
You are so welcome. Thank you, Donna. Thanks. I mean, it, it is amazing how this changed her life, Bill, because, you know, she survived in 78, that DC-10 plane crash. Can you imagine what it would be like to be on that plane? Oh, it, it, it must have been a horrifying experience. And again, you see that what Donna experienced was, before the plane crash, the prophetic dream about something that catastrophic. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, but she, and she is a great speaker now. And uh, I did not know of her until after the book, but just uh, her website's DonnaHartley.com. And, uh, you know, quite remarkable how life-changing events change your life, <laughs> literally. Like you walk over the edge. We live in, 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 in a world of convention and routine and everyday habits. And then when you step out of that box, off the path, and kind of look, and you confront the enormity of the supernatural world around you, you suddenly realize it's much, much bigger. You're not alone. You're part of the universe. And it's an amazingly fulfilling feeling to have. Let's go to New York, where Captain is waiting. Hey, Captain. Hello, gentlemen. Hi. I uh, appreciate you taking my call. You know, I, I've seen the light. And I just uh, first want to say, George, last night uh, I really enjoyed your show. But uh, your screener, Jeff, would not take any chemtrail calls. So that's why no callers got through on that. The other thing is Obama or Barry Satoru has not shown documentation of his birth certificate, his passport, who is this guy? Wrong topic. But that's okay. Maybe during an open line call. We'll go to Fraser Park, California. Don, it's your turn on Coast to Coast. Hey, Don. Hi. I have a wonderful story of a foreseeing of the future. It was back when my kids were small, living in Malibu on the beach where I'd grown up, in the ocean, floating in the cold water. And I'll tell you, cold water particularly holds information. I've been looking for a place up in the mountains. I wanted a place to rent where I could have my horses, my kids. And I had this vision in the ocean. I was probably in for about 20 minutes, half an hour. It was very cold. But you get immune to it. And I saw this odd-shaped building. It was um, very pitched angle, um, very real, like a hologram in my mind. A couple weeks later, I decided to try this one canyon I'd never driven up, driving up the canyon, two little kids in the car. There's the house. I stop. I go, oh, my gosh, that's the house I saw in the ocean. That's a hideaway. <laughs> that's it. Kept calling it a hideaway. So I pull, turn around, pull in the driveway. And this is random. Anyone that knows Malibu, this is very random. Kid is standing in the driveway. This is in a remote canyon in the middle of nowhere. I drive in. I go, hi, looking for a place to rent. He turns around and goes, mom, someone's here about the rental. Unbelievable. Wow. Well, well, you know what's so fascinating? <laughs> there is actually scientific proof of what you said, because water does store information by the molecular configuration, by the facets. So, I mean, you're just telling us a personal story, which is incredible, but there's a whole realm of scientific data that absolutely backs you up. Well, I know it because I grew up in the ocean. I'm an ocean swimmer. I work in Hawaii, Malibu. Mm-hmm. I still go in the water, and I'll tell you, there's something... It's particularly about the cold. It, it is deeper and richer. When, and then look at the, at the movie, What the Bleep Do We Know, where 
where where people can put their impressions in water and when frozen, happy, wonderful, love, beautiful, crystalline, um, negative emotions, it's all distorted. Bill, do you believe that people can dream about other people and they both realize what's going on in a dream state? I absolutely believe that, yes. Me too. Me too. Next up, Kevin, Victoria, Canada, on the international line. Hey, Kevin, go ahead. Good evening, gentlemen. Hi. Good evening. How are you guys doing tonight? We're oh. wonderful. How, tell us your story. Well, there's there's a lot of rain going on. I'll try and get through. It's, uh, it's uh, well, it's about the ability to fly, I guess it is, based on your imagination. Um, as long as you, you actually create uh, positive energy, positive thoughts, you can actually, you know, fly about 40 feet, 40 to 50 feet above uh, the earth, and you can, you know, view uh, things just like uh, Tinkerbell or whatever she does. <laughs> a little bit of remote viewing, no doubt, and a little bit of astral projection. Bill, have you ever had an OBE? I have not, but I know that you have, because that was the story we told at Worker in the Light. I had one. I've never been able to duplicate that. I, I think I'm doing a lot of remote viewing these days, but in terms of the OBE, only one. And, and, and that changed your life. I mean, I, I know yes, we've talked about it on so many occasions, but it did. Yep, at a very young age. It just kind of steered me in the direction that I ended up going. Philadelphia, we go. First-time caller is... Uh, Malika. How do we pronounce Malika? Malika. <laughs> yes. Um, I know that I'm empathic, and I used to be afraid of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, I moved, I want to tell you a story about a spirit that I saw, which was a child. Um, I was cooking in my kitchen, and he leaned against my leg. And when I went down, I looked down to tell him to back up. I realized that I was home alone. Oh. And I had, like, little hair stands up, the chills, the whole, but I wasn't afraid. He felt good. He didn't feel like anything evil or yeah. to like scare me. But um, that apartment, it had a kitty ceiling to it. There was a um, airplane hanging from one of the ceilings when I first moved in. And I actually heard footsteps um, when I would, because it was on the third floor and I would come up the stairs for like groceries. And I actually heard like children's footsteps running down the hall. But when I opened the door, of course, no one was there. Um, four hmm. years later, I moved into a house and it felt very lonely. And um, my neighbor told me that there were college students that lived there, and they were always loud. But at this time, I was a college student with two roommates to live there. And I think that he just wanted to give us a hint not to be loud. But my landlord told me that there was an old Italian lady that lived there by herself. And that's the vibe that I picked up when I first went to um, see the house. Did she die there? I I never asked him if she died there, but the house always felt very cold and very lonely. I lived there for four years, and um, it always felt like someone lived there alone. I always felt her presence in that house or a spirit of someone who was alone in that house, no matter what. But they don't seem to ever have scared you. No, I'm, I'm not afraid at all. I saw spirits before as a child. I saw a man in my backyard, and he had on clothing as if he was from, like, the 1960s. Yeah with a straw hat, and he was looking away from me and looking up on a rooftop of another house as if someone was doing work on it. But it felt, I knew that it wasn't a real person. He felt, it gave me, like, the same chills that I had when I saw the little boy in my apartment. But for some reason, this child in the apartment was totally different because he actually touched my leg. He, like, leaned against me. Was that the first time you felt yourself ever touched by 
something from the spirit world. Touched yeah. by an angel, baby. Yeah, I was actually touched <laughs> by it. And you know what else is scary? I went to visit a sister-in-law of mine, and I had my nephew with me, which is just one little child. And my niece said that she saw another little boy come in with us. When I, I went upstairs to the second floor to see a baby, and when I came back down, she said, where's the little boy who came oh. in with you? Mm. What little boy? <laughs> there was a little brown-skinned little boy who came in with you and Amat. I said, no, it was just me and Amat. Yeah, so this child, I don't know if it's the same child, but there was another little boy who followed me also. Has, now, has that stopped, or do these episodes continue? Um, I actually always feel things. I moved into a, I just recently moved back to Philadelphia, and my new apartment, I felt um, very, it was a very happy feeling in the apartment. And coming to find out, there was um, two art students who lived there before I moved in. It was like a whole different yeah. vibe. It was very easygoing, you know, happy. It, it didn't feel depressing at all or like. You well, know, you know, Bill, there's no question, thank you for the call, that uh, these spirits follow people around, don't they? Right. And you have to wonder if it's the um, aspect of the person itself, as, as, in this, as in this case, an empathic person is certainly more sensitive and intuitive to the presence of other life forces, clearly. Just remarkable. Next up, we'll go to Russ in Oregon. Hey, Russ, take it away. Okay, this is Russ. And uh, 19, uh, hi, Bill. And hi. George. Hey. Uh, I just wanted to make this fast. It's, it's hard to make it fast. In 1998, I was listening to Art Bell and Richard Hoagland. Richard was on, and he said, design antennas, and he said, listen for a very unusual uh, sound that is uh, coming from uh, space, and it's on about uh, 15 meters. So I designed an antenna, being a ham-like Art, and I put it up, and I was uh, checking the antenna. We live in the deep forest of Oregon and Coquille in the forest by a river up in the mountainside. And I was looking at the antenna after I got it done, checking it out in the center where the feet is, looked up above the mobile, and way up in the forest above me, or right up above me, but it went up to about 10,000 feet, and uh, I'm a pilot myself. Yeah. And it went uh, way up, and falling down was a scroll, just like in the Bible. And it was page after page, and and it was... Uh, falling down and rolling, and I called my wife, and I said, bring the uh, binoculars out, and I didn't want to influence her. I said, let's see what's going on here. Yeah, I, you were tr- trying to read said, the scroll. <laughs> oh, yes. I said, what do you see? She said, it looks like a giant carpet falling down or rolling, that's page after weird. page or whatever. I said, that's exactly what I see. Then we saw what it looked like. Six UFOs, white or birds, and we couldn't make it out with the binoculars. And then they went over above another tree, a big tree, about a 140-foot tree. We have big ones here. And they were about 500 foot up. That's the aircraft pattern that I would normally fly at. And it looked like six angels, possibly, they were white, sitting right up above the tree, but at about 500 foot would make 300 foot above the tree. Well, some say that these are angels. We'll be back in a moment with final calls on Coast to Coast AM. Well, next hour, Joshua P. Warren joins us with his paranormal moment as he talks about who really lives on the moon. Might want to get a jump start and go to his website, joshuapwarren.com. There's a direct link 
from coast to coast am.com plus some pictures he has sent us about what he sees anomalies on the moon we'll be back in a moment with more phone calls your calls with bill burns and your stories as well and also rc park flyer at the nighthawkzone.com cracks me up because he says i'd much rather have an obe than an nde Bill, don't give it away, but what did you think of my conspiracy theory at the end of Journey to the Light? Uh, I always have a wonderful time with that because it is so right on, and I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, but it is so right on in terms of you step back, you look at the big picture, you see where all the little things fit together, and then it really smacks you in the face. And once you articulate that, you know what? You can't get away from it. No, you really can't. Let's go to Castle Rock, Colorado. Darren Pearson's with us, one of the contributors to Journey to the Light. Hey, Darren, how are you? Hey, doing great, George. George and Bill, this is a great show. I'm really enjoying it tonight. Thanks, Darren. And you will add to it, Darren. What was your story? Well, thank you. I'd like to share a story about my grandma. Um, my grandma, Agabo, she uh, passed away a couple years ago, but she was always a very spiritual person. And um, one day I got to talking with her, and I asked her how, how she became so spiritual. She's just one of the people in the family that is kind of the spiritual rock and just always real um, firm on her faith and everything. And she said a turning point in her life was when she was about 12 or 13 years old. Her family had um, immigrated from Oslo, Norway, over to Hills, Minnesota, which is over kind of by the border of South Dakota and Iowa and Minnesota in that little corner there. And they lived on a farm out there, and she had a playmate that was a best friend of hers, a young girl, about 11 or 12 years old, that caught polio and was bedridden for a long time. And after uh, about a month battle with polio, the girl passed away, and this, uh, you know, she died. This bothered my uh, grandma quite a bit. And she asked God, how could God take away such a young girl? I mean, it didn't seem right. It really bothered her. Right. A couple of weeks after the girl died, she went out to the graveyard to visit the gravestone. And while she was out there, um, she got startled because she heard a voice behind her. And she turned around. And it was the young girl who had passed away a couple of weeks ago. Oh. Wow. It was the ghost of the young girl. And she said uh, one thing to her. She said, don't be sad. Everything's okay when you die. And then she just disappeared. And this had a big effect on my grandma throughout her life because she said after that moment she was never afraid to pass away. What a great feeling. And how did she treat life after that? After that, she had a really good outlook on life. She was very um, engaging. She was just a really fun person to be around. And even right up to the end, um, she had, um, when her organs started to shut down and everything, you know, I visited with her a couple hours before she passed, and she was getting her nails done. She said she wanted to look good for people that she met on the other side. <laughs> she was wow. just looking forward to it. It was just like another day to her. It was not a big deal. I love it. Thanks, Darren. You're welcome. Thank you for your story. story. And they're just, there are millions of them. There are, and so, and and so, when you hear a story like that, and and it's told so matter of factly, you know, there was no gee whiz, oh wow, nobody's trying to pitch the story to sell the story. It was told so matter of factly from the heart, exactly, and it changed this woman's life because she knew exactly that you know she was in good hands just by being alive. You know, 
we want to enjoy our lives, right? We don't want to end it early. We want to just go as long as we can and make sure that it's uh, fulfilling. But, you know, the more and more stories that you hear or the people I've interviewed and the people you've talked to, Bill, you begin to understand that there is definitely something else out there. I I think that's a fact. And the more experiences that you have and the more stories that you hear, you get confident in the fact that, that, that the universe, that creation, is just much, much bigger than we think it is. How cold do you think it is in Maine right about now? I would say it's pretty nippy in Maine. Let's find out. East okay. of the Rockies. Linda, how cold is it? <laughs> Hi, George. Hi. Is it cold up there? Um, it's about 35. Yeah, that's not too bad. Okay. Too I have been wanting to tell you the story for so long. Okay. Um, my mother was also a very spiritual a woman. She read her Bible every night. Well, she uh, was very close to death in the hospital with lung cancer. So I went out. I mean, she was very close to death. So I went out and asked the nurse if she could please have a, the, a preacher come in and say a prayer over her. And she said that she would she would try to locate him. So I went back in with mom, and I was I was by her bed, and it just seemed like it was forever that I was waiting. And then I, this beautiful woman came through the door in this floral uh, dress. You have to forgive me. I'm a little nervous. No, it's okay. Uh, she in this beautiful floral dress. Her hair was shoulder length and red and green eyes. Just beautiful, beautiful woman. And she walked right over to Mom, and um, she had this little little brown book in her hand. And um, I, I, I said, what's that? And she said, it's my Bible. Would you like to hold it? I said, oh, yes. So she start, I, I held the book, and she started saying Mom's very fa- favorite prayer. Somehow she knew which prayer she, she liked the best. And then she said, um, would you like me to sing to her? And I said, I thought to myself, boy, this is up and beyond. I'm sing to mom. And I said, oh, no, that's uh, that's all right. I said, you've done so much already. And then even though I said that, she started singing Amazing Grace and the most beautiful voice. And, and mom's face just relaxed. And um, I handed her back her Bible, and I thanked her. And she turned and walked out of the room. And so the next morning I got up and I thought, you know, that was up and beyond. I'm going to call the hospital and um, thank them very much for, for what she did, you know, for my mother. And um, the I had talked with the head nurse and she said, well, what are you talking about? She said, there isn't such a person here. She said, there's only one uh, preacher and it's an older man, and he was in another hospital. We felt so bad that we could never find anybody to come see your mother. So she said, there, we don't, I've never, there isn't such a person. So that was an angel. Definitely. Definitely an angel. Yeah, just beautiful. Thanks, Linda. Angelic stories ever affect you, Bill, personally? Oh, yeah, personally, sure. Um, the, uh, I, there was a story of, uh, well, when my mother-in-law passed, when Nancy's mother died, um, we were in the house. We were, they were taking care of everything. And um, she was seeing her mother in the corner, and she was saying, why is my mother here? I'm keep seeing my mother. And then the hospice worker came and basically said, uh, yeah, your mother is over there. It's true. And she is welcoming you when you get to the other side. And that was so sad. That is 
How about the story of the pharmacist who died in a hospital? And he just oh, keeps that saying, story! Isn't that that story! That story was incredible. And I, I, you know, again, I know the person personally who told me that story. It was the story of this person who was in bed. He was getting an operation. It's the middle of the night. He, he, he wakes up and he sees this person delivering uh, pharmaceuticals, drugs on a tray, and he's wheeling this tray around. And 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 he's in a long gown. And and this person, why is he delivering pharmaceuticals? It's like three in the morning. What's going on here? So he follows him, <laughs> and they get to the nurses' station, and the person passes by, and 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 this person says, the hospital patient says, what? Why is he doing this? Well, you know, I don't understand. And they said, oh, you don't understand. He died here. He's a ghost, and he's making his rounds, and he's making sure that everything is okay. He's an angel. And they just leave him alone, let him do his thing. He just walked by there, let him do his thing. Exactly. Yeah, I love it. Next up, we go to Bonita, California, west of the Rockies. Colleen, good morning. Uh, Hello, Bill and George. Hi. Hi. I love your show. I'm glad to to speak with you. Um, Eleven years ago, I lost my youngest child. She was 11 years old. Um, She died of cancer. And I've had some several strange things happen since then. Uh, you were talking about the touching. Yeah. I was sitting on the sofa one day and thinking about her, and and I I said, Peanut, if you can, if you're here, touch my touch me and let me know. And I felt her touch my leg, mm. and I it just sent chills down my chills down oh, my spine. Sure. And I said, Do it again, and I felt it again. <laughs> But um, recently, a couple months ago, I went to an organization here called the Jenna Druck Foundation that's run by Dr. Ken Druck. You may have heard of him. Mm-hmm. Um, occasionally, they will have a medium come in, and this is an organization for people who have lost a child, yeah, for parents who have lost a child. Right, right. And um, I came in late. And when I walked in, there was only one seat left at the, the very last row at the top of the top of the room. And I couldn't see the medium. She was hidden behind the pole. And she was doing a meditation that she does with the parents beforehand. And then she will choose several people out of the audience to, to do a mediumship with. Anyway, I sat down, and all of a sudden she came around the pole and said, there's a lady up here in pink. And she was pointing to me. And so she started telling me that she saw an um, an older woman and describing this person and, and how things affecting me. And it turned out it was my mother. And this was something I'd never expected. I lost my mother when I was two years old. This is something I never expected because I went to hear from my daughter. Um, and, and, anyway, and mom shows up. Yeah. And then after she told me all these things about my mom, it seemed to make sense. I'm kind of a skeptical person as far as this stuff, so I didn't get too excited about it. But then she said that she saw a young girl to my right, and she started describing things about her. And and none of it seemed to really click as far as my daughter. But on the way home, I was driving home and, and thinking about everything and saying, well, do I believe it, don't I? And feeling kind of disappointed that I didn't get more of a more hits as far as my daughter. Right. And but, the car, there was a car ahead of me, which all of a sudden changed lanes, so that I was now, I now had another car ahead of me. And this car 
had a um, license plate that was all lit up, very lit up. And on it, it said, Hi, Mama. (laughs) H-Y-E, Mama. Like, it was the name of the person. There you go. But to me, it was very um, coincidental. That is the sign you needed. And the fact that it happens like this, Bill, like a caller that we had about uh, they lost Bud, the family member Bud, and then there's a Bud Light sign. Right. I mean, and you could... You know, you could skeptically say, oh, come on, these are coincidences. It's the person who is imposing on reality mm-hmm. her own theory. But but the fact is there are no coincidences. No, not at all. Chattanooga, Tennessee. Hi, Paul. Take it away. Hi. Hi. Morning, George. Good morning. Hey. Um, well, I was hearing, you know, I'm enjoying the show. Um, I work third shift in a gas station, and you know, here's the only thing that helps keep me going. Well, good. And you're, um, you're sealed up safe and sound out there, I hope. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was hearing all your story, uh, people talking about the stories, and I have a story that I want to share. All right, go ahead. All right, well, back in the 90s, during Operation Desert Storm, Desert Shield, my mom was stationed at Fort Benjamin Harrison, Indiana. Uh, located, It was located just outside of Indianapolis. It was one of the first bases to be closed down because of all the base closures during the original budget cut. I, I spent two weeks there way back in the 80s. Right. Well, if you remember back then, or if you do a little bit of research, there was a gas main explosion at the one of the housing compounds on the base. Well, the reason why that's important is a uh, day or so before the actual explosion happened, uh, my neighbor across the street, uh, Miss Bridget, got a really bad premonition. And, you know, when she gets one of these premonitions, you listen because she has the gift. She is very clairvoyant. And she went up to my mom all in a panic, um, you know, said, hey, you know, I know you've got duty, uh, you know, you've got duty tomorrow night. Be really careful. I've got a really bad feeling. If you can get out of it, please get out of it. Well, my mom managed to get out of it, but she had to do the trade-off as being on call. Mm-hmm. Well, the next night, the gas main explosion happened, um, and, you know, you know, it woke up everybody. Now, I was a deep sleeper. I slept through tornadoes, cause, and they didn't even wake me up, but it woke my mom up, woke up the entire neighborhood up. And, you know, my mom is alive today because of... Miss Bridget's clairvoyance. She saved my mom's life. It's an incredible story. It is. It is. Yeah, I mean, and it's one of those things where it's, you know, you're, you know, a skeptic. That's one of those things that'll help make you believe. There's no doubt about it. And if I remember, did they have some deaths in that explosion? Yes, there was a five year old girl and her parents died. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Thank you for that story as well, too. Bill, a couple more minutes to go. We may take one or two more callers, but we shall see. But I want to thank you for everything that you've done uh, in this uh, in this partnership. Well, you're more than welcome, and I I thank you for for all the work and all the contributions. And you know, the road continues. You know, you're mentioning um, about how you're so disturbed by the level of discourse in the United States right now. Everybody is so divided that there's really no discussion. And and we're writing a book, uh, your personal memoir, 
about Talktown USA, that it's the one place where in a divided population people can come together and argue civilly. Absolutely. That one's dear to my heart. Right. And this is a story about literally how you come to see that really having a place where people talk and can talk without rancor and can disagree without personal dislike um, is is so important because that's what keeps the fabric of society together. And believe it or not, that's been the role that broadcast radio has taken over. I think so, too. And, And I hope that the time comes where people can have dialogue without screaming and shouting and accusing because we've lost something over the years and we need to get it back. Yeah, we certainly have. And it's, and I think it's hurting the country. I I do too. Let's see if we can get uh, rich Queens, New York, about a minute or so for you, rich. Go ahead. Hey George, I'll try it. Hey Bill, I'll try to make my sure quick. Um, well, I, I, uh, I actually had a very near death experience. I almost did. I actually did die. I was clinically dead for about a minute or so. And I, I saw the other side and, uh, it's not like most of these people's stories where, you know, they see a light and all that. There was no light for me. It was terrifying. I think I saw the other, other side. You don't want to go back, do you? I definitely never, ever want to go back. And like you said, I want to make my life as long and fulfilling as possible because I do not want to go back there. Why do you think you saw the other side? I mean, you sound like a pretty good guy. Well, uh, I, I, I really couldn't tell you, um, I mean, I haven't done anything like, you know, I'm, I'm not like some people that you think deserve hell, you know? Right, right. Like, you know, child molesters and, and murderers, you know, I've never done anything even close to anything like that. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know. But it was how, do you, scary. how do you know that it was the other side? I mean, how do you know what you saw? Do you think maybe it was like purgatory or something? Because I, I, I don't know. I, it was just, it was scary. I saw my uncle there which was really weird because I almost died exactly the same way he died. And, uh, and he, and he, and the reason why it felt like days, even though the doctor, when I, when I came out of it, the doctor said that it was only a little more than a minute, but I felt like I was there for days. I was like, there's no way it was just a minute. Well, there's a lesson there, Rich, of course, and a moral too, probably don't go back there. Good words of advice from the immortal George Dory. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocky Mountain UFO Podcast. Here's some closing words from Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson from the movie Ghostbusters. Henry, do you believe in God? Never met him. Yeah, well, I do. And I love Jesus' style, you know. This roof cap is made of a magnesium tungsten alloy. So involved with that. These are the blueprints for the structural ironwork in Dana Barrett's apartment building, and they're very, very strange. Hey, Ray, do you remember something in the Bible about the last days when the dead would rise from the grave? I remember Revelation 7:12. And I looked as he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became as black as sackcloth, and the moon became as blood. The seas boiled and the skies fell. Judgment day. Judgment day. Every ancient religion has its own myth about the end of the world. Myth? Ray, has it ever occurred to you that maybe the reason we've been so busy lately is because the dead have been rising from the grave? 
How about a little music? You're listening to the Rocky Mountain UFO Podcast with Doc Pearson.